Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for our Bible study right here on our website. And we're so happy once again that you've joined us today. We pray that you will continue to study the Word of God with us. The Scriptures are clear about what we can expect if we learn what God wants us to learn so we will know what God wants us to know. Hallelujah. From His Word. The things that were written aforetime, the scripture declares, are for our learning, that through that through this, this pursuit of his truth, through the patience and comfort of the scripture, that we might have hope. Praise God. And I believe this hope is going to mark us as the children of God. Uh, in, in one of the markers, uh, you know, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one to another, this is one of the primary markers that we are Christians, that we are the followers of Jesus Christ. But there are other markers and one of them that will will cause us to be outstanding in this time of fear and anxiety uh, is peace. If we have peace and we have hope in this time, another one is hope itself. You know, the Bible said through the patience and comfort of the scripture that we might have hope. We are not like others who have no hope. And the God of hope fill you with hope in believing. Praise God. Amen. Of all the people on this planet, those who know Christ as their Savior and have God as their Father and the Holy Spirit as their Comforter. Hallelujah. We should be people that have a positive outlook in the midst of all of the gloom and doom that's all around us today. That's why I've titled this teaching, Living in the Eye of the Storm. Now, we uh, this broadcast originally Originates in Tampa, Florida, USA. Uh, many of you uh, in the United States live in what is called Tornado Alley, and you have those basements you can get into, and those those safe places in your home, and you listen for a siren to go off. Well, we live in Florida in Hurricane Alley, where every year we have close calls and some hits from hurricanes, and we watch the tropics here because we know a storm could. Come. But no matter how violent that storm is as it passes over, there is a place in the center of those cyclonic winds, those whirling winds called the eye of the storm. And in that eye of the storm, there is a temporary calm and a temporary peace that comes even though on what is just past uh, was so terrible and what is coming is just as terrible there's a temporary reprieve in the eye of the storm god wants you and i as christians because we can't avoid storms they're going to come christ taught it didn't he in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have over Come the world. Praise God. Living in the eye of the storm means that we have peace and hope no matter what around us may be occurring. God wants that to develop in us and He wants it to be consistent in us. That's why I've titled this teaching, Living 
in the eye of the storm. We can't escape the storm, but there's peace in the midst of the storm. I think it was Billy Graham one time said he saw a painting that represented to him what Christian peace is all about. And uh, I have uh, I have lived in Florida most of my life, but I took a trip to perform a wedding in Bangor, Maine. And I went out to Bar Harbor or Bahaba, if you're one of those people from Maine. And I saw how the tides went out and I saw these these cliffs. Uh, uh, one one place they the the, the there was a cave where the the water would come in, and as it came and washed inside that cave, there was, it was like a thunderclap. Uh, and 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 anyway, Billy Graham saw a, a scene where there wasn't a beautiful beach, but there was cliffs and rocks, and right down to the edge of the sea, and a great storm was coming uh, toward that area, and you could see the lightning flashing, and you knew the waves were picking up, and a little bird was nestled inside a cleft in the rock and he said that's Christian peace it's not the absence of trouble the absence of pressure but it is the peace that comes from knowing these rocks have weathered every wind and every storm that has ever come and I'm inside this rock <laughs> and the storm is going to have to blow over one of these days but this rock is still going to be right here and so am I that he said is Christian peace too many people are looking for the world's definition of peace and if you pick up a, any dictionary, it's going to be the absence of conflict, the absence of trouble, a place of tranquility where there's no pressure and no problems. Some people think if they have enough money, they can find that place. You can't find it in money. You can't find it in things. You can't find it in, a, in, a, in another person except one. And that person is Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about living in the eye of the storm, not escaping the storm, but having peace in the midst of the storm. We used to sing it when I first became a Christian. There is peace in the time of trouble. There is peace in the midst of the storm. Trust in Jesus and He will keep you. Praise God. We used to sing the great hymn of the faith, living by faith in Jesus above. Hallelujah. Trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and I feel no alarm. God wants to do something in the Christian community today. If you're really a Christian, God is your Father. Jesus is, is your great high priest and the Holy Spirit is your comforter today. Hallelujah. We have everything we need to trust in the Lord to such a degree that in the midst of this storm, uh, we can find what the world can't find anywhere through anyone, and that's peace. The storm is raging, but there is peace in the midst of the storm. Praise God. Amen. I, I just want to read you this before we read the scripture while you're turning to, to uh, let's go to First Peter first. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. 
according, this is just about two or three months ago when this began, according to, to Forbes magazine uh, uh, and Forbes news site, a projected 75,000 extra deaths on top of the deaths that are going to be caused here in America by this pandemic that could result from the isolation, unemployment, fear, and dread of what is to come as a result of COVID-19. It could lead to 75,000 deaths of despair. It's amazing how, how when we have no hope, what happens in the human body, what happens in our emotion, what happens in our mind, and what can happen in our spirit if we do not find a place that we can live in the eye of the storm. 75,000 on top of the almost 200,000 that have actually died or dying from the pandemic. Oh, friend, how we need this peace that passes understanding. If you can comprehend it, it's not the peace of God. Oh, but listen, amen, there is a peace that passes understanding. The world won't get it. We won't find it unless we come to that place in the eye of the storm and say, I'm going to live here. I can't live beyond the reach of the storm, but I can live in the eye of it. Praise God. And hallelujah. That's what Jesus promised. He said, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth, give I thee. Not like the world gives. You know, one of the signs of the end times is men's hearts failing them for fear, looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. This is not unfounded fear. This is legitimate concerns. And it said men's hearts will fail them for fear, looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. Now there is, there's those signs in nature, earthquakes in divers places, different places many times, accelerated earthquakes. And we can expect that to happen with more frequency as we get near the coming of Christ and the end of the age. Amen. But it said the sea and the waves roaring because the earthquake, the shaking is going to cause the, the waves, the tsunamis, the, the, the tidal waves to hit places. I remember one Easter Sunday morning when a tidal wave hit uh, islands and hit places and, and tens of thousands were killed because of it. Just because the shaking caused the sea itself uh, to shake. And you know what the Bible says in the counterpart? The wicked are like the waters of a troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Listen what marks the wicked. There is no peace, saith God, unto the wicked. The wicked can't find it in drugs. Some are looking for it there. They can't find it in alcohol. They can't find it in every kind of prom promiscuousness and sexual activity. It's just for a fleeting moment. But there's no peace, no lasting peace there's no joy there's no hope and hopeless people don't care that they're killing themselves hopeless people don't care that they're drinking themselves to death despair causes you to quit caring proverbs 12 and verse 25 tells us heaviness 
in the heart of a man maketh it to stoop. You see, anxiety pulls us downward. And, and uh, one medical journal stated, 10 years ago, I wrote this down. You can imagine what it would say now. 10 years ago, it said, worry is the number one mental health disorder in America. Number one. Number one. And the symptoms associated with anxiety generally involve one or more of these characteristics. Listen, you may see yourself, even as a Christian, if we're not living in the eye of the storm. Forgetfulness. Inability to concentrate. Irritability. Inability to cope with even the smallest of problems. Uh, Trouble-making decisions. Perplexity is what the Bible calls it in the end time. Perplexed, perplexity of nations. Puzzlement. Oh, friend of mine, we are in these days and it's affecting all of us. And Christians have to find that place. Listen, misjudging other people, feeling persecuted, procrastination, gnawing dissatisfaction. You know, the Bible said that godliness with contentment is great gain. <laughs> Amen. Someone has said uh, out of that 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 he is he is he is happiest that has fewest wants. Because we have Christ. Amen. It said we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of this world, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you discontent of God's will and purpose in your life? Are you discontent with the way He has responded to you when you have prayed? Are you moving into what the world is is engulfed in right now? The fear, the perplexity, the pressure, the, the anxiety, distress of nations with perplexity. And, and the symptoms have dire consequences if they are unchecked, including a feeling of drudgery about life. That's depression especially toward work and task, a loss of excitement and enthusiasm, and a loss, therefore, of productivity and creativity and energy. And then it goes on to tell what it does to damage even the physical body. But there's also spiritual consequences. Jesus taught in the parable of the sower and the seed that the cares of this life and other things entering in choke the word and cause it to become unfruitful. And friend, I want to tell you, since faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, a vital piece of our spiritual armor, therefore, will be missing. And it's the shield of faith. And how important is the shield of faith, you ask? I'm glad you ask. With it, we can quench every fiery dart, every flaming arrow or missile of the devil intended to destroy oh friend of mine it won't get through the shield of faith oh in order to stand on the word and wield the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith we need the shoes of peace 
the last part of spiritual armor is having uh, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. And they knew what it, that was. It was the hobnailed boot of the Roman soldier that allowed him to march to the place where the battle would occur to engage the enemy in battle and to stand firm to use the weaponry that he had. And friend of mine, I believe we put the we put the emphasis on faith and we put the emphasis on the sword, the word, but in order to really, really wield that sword and hold that shield up against the enemy, we need to stand, having done all stand. And that's where the shoes of peace come in. And that's where hope comes in. Amen. The Bible said, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And heaviness in the heart of a man causes him to stoop. Oh, friend of mine, it's time not to stoop, but to stand. Glory be to God. And when people see us with peace and hope in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the pressures of life, it's going to impress them. They're going to think we are absolutely crazy or we've found the eye of the storm and we found out how to live in the eye of the storm hallelujah david wilkerson was very honest some years ago when he didn't when he actually was losing that place and that peace and that hope in his own walk with god listen to what he said i appreciate his his honesty here because i look up to him as a man of god and times square church still stands and 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 the ministry he started years and years and years ago is still ministering to this day teen challenge and it's just for teens but anyone that is bound by drugs and alcohol listen to what he said he said when my mind is loaded down with the cares of our church. Preacher, are you listening? Pastor, are you listening? Sermon messages, finances, relationships. I have a tendency to slouch. I look preoccupied. My brow is furrowed. Some people tell me, you look sad. Not long ago, I was walking along 52nd Street near Hannah House totally absorbed with church business, probably slouched over. I came upon a crack house where a woman sat on the stoop, smiling from ear to ear. I could see she was high on crack. She watched me approaching. As I got nearer, she spoke up and said, Now I want you to hear this. Mister, it can't be that bad. I was flabbergasted. I thought, here is this woman high on crack, and here am I, a man of God. She's smiling, (laughs) and I'm slouched over as if all hope is gone. What a rebuke it was to me. Amen. Friend of mine, God wants that to change if we're allowing the pressures of life to get to us, if we're allowing the storms of life to get to us, we're not enjoying our privilege as children of God to live in the eye of the storm. 
I used to preach a message titled, Holy Carelessness, out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It literally says, in a practical way, something that sounds ludicrous. <laughs> it sounds impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Remember that. And nothing is impossible to him that believeth. And I used to talk about holy carelessness. I don't mean to not be responsible and not to be legitimately concerned about things that we should be responsible to and for. But holy carelessness means that we have cast our care upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's what it, that's what it literally talks about. Let, let, me, let me read it first from 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourself. Remember, the reason I'm not pulling 7 out of this context is because 6, verse 6 is vital to verse 7 truly operating in your life. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Are you humble enough to give it all to Him? Can you take all of your pride and all of your self-will, all of that that you want and you think needs to be done for you to be happy and fulfilled, can you give all? Are you humble enough? Am I humble enough to give it all to God? I want to commend one of our church members who, who had a loved one that is at the point of possibly dying, who in order to find this place, this peace in the eye of the storm, was willing to say, humble enough to say, not my will. That's a legitimate prayer, and it is not a, a prayer without faith. It is so full of faith because it's humble dependency instead of in our own pride and self-will, trying to manipulate God with our faith to that that we feel that we need to find peace and hope. Friend, when you give it all to God, that's when the peace comes. And this person told me, even if God takes this person, and my trust is in Him. And you know, God didn't take that person. God healed that person. God raised that person up. And that person is a living testimony to faith and answered prayer. But it didn't begin by making a demand on God. But it, it began by becoming submissive to His will no matter what. And that requires humility. In the pattern prayer for us to pray, Jesus said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's our submission to His will. It's our surrender to His will. Amen. That gives us confidence when we pray. The Bible said if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of Him. That's why this context is important. Casting all of your care upon Him, verse 7 says, because He cares for you. But it doesn't begin by just trusting God, by giving it to Him. It, it begins by humbling ourselves. 
therefore under the mighty hand of God. You know, Jesus did it, didn't he? Said, said he, he humbled himself. Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. He humbled himself in Gethsemane when he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, we've got some some misconceptions about how to find peace and how to release power in prayer today. Amen. And we need to get rid of all of that. Praise God. Amen. Back to the message I've preached on holy carelessness based on this scripture. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 gives you this assurance. Be anxious for nothing. That literally, practically, personally means don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart, keep your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is so simple to preach. (laughs) This is so simple to read. And it is absolutely true. But it's easier to preach than to practice. It takes a real humbling of myself. And it takes a real commitment to live in this place. But we must never give in and we must never give up on living in this place. It will mark us in the time of trouble as a people separated unto God. People who have a hope that goes beyond. And listen, I hope in the natural, I hope there is a cure found. I hope there's a treatment that no one else dies in a hospital. I hope something comes. I, I hope, I hope, I hope. But I don't put my my peace based on what people just like me that are more highly educated and, and, and more intelligent and more, more, uh, have more comprehension of science. Oh no. They are still perplexed. And there's more bad news than good news every time you turn on the news. Have you ever watched a mouse running inside a wheel? Someone said, the faster he runs, the faster the wheel moves. But he doesn't make the slightest progress. He doesn't even have the mouse sense to get off the wheel. Come on. Somebody say amen. You know, someone said one time, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Friend of mine, we ought to have not just the good sense to get off the wheel. We ought to have enough commitment to our God and to our King Jesus to put our trust in Him and get off of that wheel. Get, it sounds simple, but it is so true. Let go and let God be God in your life. Amen. See, that's what anxiety does to you and me. You run faster and faster 
trying harder and harder to meet the demands or prevent disaster, and you will still not have control over your circumstances. Real faith doesn't put you in control. Real faith lets God be in control. Hallelujah. Something does not go quite right in the frustration when we're in control. The level mounts and mounts and mounts. But there is a way off the wheel. God created you and me. He knows your deepest needs. He created the heavens and everything that is in it, the earth and everything that is in it. And this God is our God, and not only our God, but our Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. Amen. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Acknowledge His sovereignty. Give Him that. Ascribe unto God that He is in control. Our webmaster who does such a tremendous job to, to put things up on there to encourage uh, on our website uh, recently said, put up a quote that I had quoted in a recent sermon that the more that we contemplate the sovereignty of God, the more that we focus on the sovereignty of God, the less we will fear the calamities of man. Because if God is sovereign, it means He is in control. And somehow or another, He is going to cause everything in your life and mine, because we love Him, to work together for good. <laughs> Even that that might normally scare the daylights out of us. Praise God. There, we can live in the eye of the storm. But our eye has to be on Him. Praise God. Looking unto the hills, David said, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Casting all of our care. I love the way the Amplified says it. Casting once, once and for all. Casting all of your care the whole of your anxiety once and for all upon Him because He cares for you and watches over you affectionately. I love that. He loves you today. He loves you. He loves me. And storms of life down in this fallen world doesn't change the fact that He loves us. And that's why Paul living in the eye of the storm, said, there's nothing. There is absolutely nothing. Things present, things to come, angels, principality, life, death, any other thing that shall separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. There's nothing. And there's no one. Not angels, not devils, not pandemics, not financial ruin, not diseases. There's nothing that will separate me from the love of God. There's nothing that can touch my life that the God who loves me, who has all power in heaven and earth, can't use and weave into the fabric of my life to bring good to me and glory to Him. Hallelujah. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due season. Cast 
neglecting all of your care, the whole of your anxiety, once and for all on Him, because He cares for you and He watches over you affectionately. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today and you've listened to this point and you have, I know what He's doing. He's calling you to repent of your sin, receive Christ as your Savior, and immediately in your soul, not necessarily immediately in your circumstance, but immediately in your soul, you will find the eye in the midst of the storm. Because peace with God, being reconciled, will allow for the peace of God to rule your heart, to keep your mind, and to give you hope. Oh, friend, let's give it to God. Let's show the world that He is and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.